Well, we're on the edge of our seats. Just when you thought there were signs of de-escalation, Putin comes and raises the anxiety levels. We've got crude prices looking like they may make another tilt at $100. We've got gold price testing the June highs. We've got dollar-ruble bossing the show in FX markets at the moment. And we've got European equity markets getting absolutely slammed at the moment. We talk about all these factors and more as we go into the trade-off. Well, hi, my name is Chris Weston, I'm Head of Research here at Pepperstone. In a moment, I'm going to be joined by my good friend Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be unpacking, we're going to be navigating and analysing all the trends and all the thematics going on in this crazy world of markets. And this week, it really is crazy. It's a hard market to trade. The noise is there. We're trying to work out what the signals are. We're trying to make understanding exactly what's going on. But if you like what you hear today from the content that Blake and I are talking about and us trying to understand and make sense of these crazy markets, hit the like button. Get in on the conversation as well. If you've got a thought about what you're saying about geopolitics, anything that we're talking about here, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from your comments. We'll reply back where we can. We want to build a community here. But we want to know how you feel about this situation at the moment because there's so many different constructs and people's views about that. So obviously, do get on the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. And I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Blake, I just want to um, say hi. How are you going, Blake? You well? You good? Good? I'm doing good. Good <laughs> right. to see you. I want to talk about all the sort of craziness that's going on in the markets at the moment in a second in Topical Fund. But just really quickly, um, we are in a headline-driven market. How are you adjusting your trading? You know, you've got to be, for me, you've got to be in front of the screens. You've got to take more risk on. You've got to take your position size down. You know, your time in the market is going to change. Your ability to handle emotion from this and so understand what is noise and what a signal changes. How are you trading these markets at the moment? Well, you know, the, the, that's a great question, Chris. <laughs> like every trader, we should be taking down position size, yep. looking for wider bands of volatility. Yep. And so because of that, you got to just take take your position sizes down, know where you're wrong. And the, I call it the line in the sand. Whenever that line in the sand is breached, say, hey, I got to get out. You know, this is like my rule. I got to get out. I can't leave myself exposed. Because I know as traders, we tend to fade, you know, strength, fade weakness. And if it gets in your face and it continues, you don't want to put yourself in a pickle where you have a hard, you know, situation to get out of. So that's how I'm I'm approaching it, Chris. Yeah. Exactly. And, and wait, real quick, can can I say one last thing? You you'd mentioned um, make sure you guys and gals jump in the comment section. Actually, one of the producers here told us that, about this great comment that uh, one of the, our viewers had had put down uh, regarding Russia. Um, and, and and he said he'd studied Russia for a certain amount of time, all of his life, or something like that. He told us about it. I went to go back and look at the look at the comment. I'm not sure if YouTube removed it or he removed it, but uh, it's a bummer because I wanted to go back and, and and I myself get a lot out of your comments. So please jump get on. down below. Jump in the jump in the conversation. Get on the mix. Sorry, get Chris. in the mix. Jump in. Jump in. Jump get, in. Right. Let's. Get, get we're going to talk about mix. global. We're going to talk about geopolitics. What's happening with markets and of course Fed. There's so much to talk about. So let's crack on. Let's go into topical funder and dissect everything that's going on here. Blake, I want to bring up, first of all, we can't go past it. Obviously, I've made a bit of a play here. We're sort of talking about what's going on in geopolitics. We've now seen Vladimir Putin coming out and talking about these two separatist states, giving them independence, putting his throw behind what's happening there as well. He's now under the Russian law, got his belief that he has the legalities now to put troops on the ground in the two separatist regions. By all reports, we are seeing troops manoeuvre into the eastern states there, the 
that are separate. They're obviously controlled by the rebels there and have been since 2014. The market's on edge at the moment. We were getting pretty happy and pretty excited about a uh, you know, de-escalation that was going to come through, the, you know, these meetings that are going to happen between Lavrov and Blinken and then potentially from Putin and, and your boy Biden um, later in the week. But now we're seeing Putin step up the anxiety levels. Um, and, you know, people are talking about moments from, uh, you know, come some kind of lapse coming through. So, yeah, we're seeing huge, huge volatility playing back into markets. Dollar ruble is, is pushing up. You've seen European equity markets under pressure at the moment. Um, you know, gold's been flying, crude's been moving up, palladium's looking like it's breaking out, all the Russian proxies there. Um, what are you thinking about this situation? And for me, it's, it's, it's a tough one because you, you're trading headlines, but those headlines are showing like clear signs of DSK, uh, clear, clear signs of, of worry right now. Yeah, you know, and that's always kind of a, a worry when you have an escalation of, you know, geopolitical risk escalation like this. Um, but in my years of trading, every time I can recall, any type of escalation in geopolitical risk. Now I'm speaking as an American, you know, unless it's something on our, on our, on our, you know, ground, which, you know, September 11th, think that way, um, you know, dips have been bought. So if you're, if you're, if you're specifically focused in us equity markets, it might be a little bit different than focusing on a European index. Right. But I'm not so sure I would be selling into this weakness. I got a couple of charts to prove that in a couple of different indices as well uh, that I want to show, share with you guys later today. But I know that um, now markets hate uncertainty. So now that we've kind of know, okay, well, Russia's going in. So now what? I mean, you know, it, are they going to be lobbing grenades at each other or, you know, are, if no one's getting hurt, do we just, you know, do, do, you know, how do we trade this? And yeah. for us, I, for, for traders, I tend to, I tend to buy the dip if I can. And in this case, um, I'm been nibbling in a few things pre show. Yeah. So. I'm, um, I'm 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 staying clear. I I think the tr the market's telling us that they yeah we're on peak un peak uncertainty. Um, I think Putin has has made his case very clear at the moment that he, you know, about his demands and what he wants, and and I think you know he wants to revive the USSR in in some capacity. So I don't think we're going to get any clarity uh, anytime soon. And and I think in that peak uncertainty, the buyers stand aside, the market sells, and you've got, you're going to start seeing some further bearish trends at the moment. So I'm staying. Uh, yeah, quite cautious around what we're seeing here at the moment. And yeah, there's going to be some trades that, that, that I like the look of at the moment. So I think we're in peak uncertainty. The market is trying to price risk. It's very, very difficult to do. And, uh, you know, I think in that situation, we've got a buyer strike on our hand until maybe these these meetings later in the week from the officials will give us some some solace. But for right now, I think we're at the eye of the storm. Market doesn't know what's going to happen. And they're selling risk in the back of that situation there. Well, you got to send three kids to college. I only have to send two, so I'm going to take a little <laughs> bit of risk here, right, yeah. <laughs> Chris. Right. Let's move it. Let's move it over to the, uh, the 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 gold silver or silver gold ratio, however you want to look at it. Yep. You know, I, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this, Chris, is gold is obviously broken higher. I mean, gold broke out. We we broke that. You know, 1880 level was a big resistance. Uh, we 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 came back, tested. We tested 1850 last week. We held that. We held 1880. Now we're back above 1900, spiking higher. Early in Asia, early for you guys, late for us, but it's spiking back. You know, towards 1910 spot right now as we speak. One thing that hasn't followed is it hasn't silver hasn't followed. Silver can't even get over the 200-day moving average for crying mm. out loud. So I mean, you know, if if gold continues to rally, does Silver play catch up, or I guess the flip side to that is Chris. You know, I, I you know, as a as a somebody who trades precious metals, whenever I have silver leading the charge, I tend to feel more bullish or more confident in playing 
the precious metals. If it's if it's a silver rallying above more so than gold on a percentage basis, it tend that 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 rally tends to stick. But yeah. when it's the other way around, I know it's risk aversion right now. Risk aversion. People are yeah. worried. It's going up for right reasons, right? Yeah. But that usually leads to a failure in silver. So, do you have any place in your portfolio for silver? How are you approaching precious metals at this point? Palladium. <laughs> Play of the day, which I'll be talking about. <laughs> I like palladium. I think, you know, there's, there's a good macro story, which I'll t- touch on in, in, in a bit. You know, Russia being the biggest exporter of, of palladium and, and a lot of that going into car uh, manufacturing in the Catholic converters, 80% of palladium use in that. Um, so I like palladium. I think we're just the type of breakout. But, um, you know, you do tend to want to see when in an ultra bullish market, when we're seeing real yields moving lower, that, that, that silver will outperform gold. What we're seeing now, as you rightly say, is that the gold is outperforming silver. The actual ratio, if you get gold divided by the silver price, um, you know, you can do that on TradingView and, and a number of the platforms uh, is, is we're just, you know, we've got a ceiling on the market about 81 on that ratio. Um, if it breaks through there, then yeah, I, I quite like that idea of being long gold, short silver in that. But I, I, I'm not in a position on that at the moment. I think gold's doing everything that it needs to do. You know, you've got great Asian demand coming through, physical demand. You've got gold moving up yeah. uh, as a hedge against political uncert- geopolitical uncertainties. It really is a, a hedge against what we're seeing in Russia, Ukraine. It's a great hedge against, um, you know, a pivot from central banks and a, and a policy mistake there, potentially pushing economies into, into recession. You name it, it's got the mojo at the moment. It's it's got its winds to its back. It's working beautifully. Maybe silver's not catching up, but it doesn't matter for me. Gold's been working technically. It's going up. That's all you need to know, right? You've got the CTA's drip yeah. leading length into it at the moment. So technically, it looks good. Um, whether silver's catching up, I don't, it doesn't bother me right now. Um, but, you know, for me, gold's it's had a good run. Um, I think we're on the start of something yeah, much bigger over the, over the period for gold. Okay, so you know, I was wondering if you were in that in that in that camp, and I have to say, you know, kudos to you, Chris, for for calling gold out. You've been you've really been harping on it the last couple of couple of weeks, say a couple of days, but we you know we meet on a weekly basis. Yeah. Anyway, right. great call, but but I, I do want to point out that gold is approaching the 127 percent extension, a big fib level for me, and so I, I'm watching gold really carefully, especially if in the event risk gets bought. Let's say people look past Russia and they start looking at the macroeconomic environment and they get past all this and we see risk bounce a little bit. I'm going to be watching gold. If it dips much below 1880, I'm going to be a little worried about the precious metal complex. And I yeah. think that's what we need to be looking at. And I think if, well, if we, you know, if, if we do, if we do see um, the, the, a Lavrov uh, Blinken meeting and we get some, some headlines that, that show de-escalation, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen. Yeah. We could see uh, in all out, you know, beef between Ukraine and, and Russia, who knows? But if we do, we, we've shown over the last 48 hours that any positive headlines or the market's perception of positive headlines and gold goes down. So yeah, you want to, you want to be watching gold and you want to be watching crypto in that, same, in that same vein as well. And there's something else I want to touch on, you know, something that, that does feed back in and, and probably is, hasn't really caught on with the idea is what's happening in rates at the moment, interest rates. You know, two-year treasuries have found a few buyers. We've seen a few buyers in tens at the moment as we see this safe haven demand coming back into the market. The Japanese yen looks like it's started to outperform a little bit in, in, in this market. But you know we have, we yeah we're, we're debating whether we get 25 or 50 basis points from the Fed um, on the 16th of March. I think we're pretty much down to 25 basis points now. The Fed have, have have tried to take some of that away. It was really Bullard who gave us 50 basis points, but then that's been walked back. The, you've got the Bank of England meeting 
uh, coming out the day after, and there's about a 40% chance that we see 50 basis points there. We've got the Canadian central banks on the second, and yeah, we're seeing something similar. And we've got, we're saying this before the RBNZ meeting, and there's a small chance that they go 50 basis points. I think they go 25. But we've got this really interesting situation now because if, if, if geopolitics does raise its, yeah, really come home, we start seeing sanctions being placed on Russia. Uh, Russia retaliates and, and really hit the, the gas market in a big way in Europe. And that's what really this is about for markets. It's about what happens in gas prices. Yeah, gas prices move up. Yeah, we talk, start talking about inflation expectations moving up again. Yeah, this is a really interesting point because you know, rate hikes are so elevated. But if we do see these markets crack lower, yeah, do we start seeing rate hike pricing come out of the market or is inflation too sticky that central banks are just too behind the curve and they need to raise rates quickly and just get it done with? That's a great question and comment uh, regarding rate hikes. Are, and, and, and you know, I know we've talked a lot about this peak hawkish, peak, sorry, it's late in the day for me, <laughs> peak hawkishness yeah. with central banks globally. We've really been talking about that. And it's interesting to see, you know, here we are in an environment where geopolitical tensions are rising and, you know, rate expectation hikes are, are rising. And it's like, yeah, I don't know if we're actually going to meet up to those expectations. And I'm kind of with you, Chris, but but at the same time, I do think inflation is here to stay. Yep. And obviously, not only has the Fed been wrong, but every central bank really banker has been really wrong. How, on, how about on this, Blake? How, so, how, how you've got a situation? We've got US of inflation at seven and a half percent. We've got oil prices yeah. at ninety-five dollars. We've got natural gas prices at four eighty-one at the moment. Yeah, they potentially could go above five dollars if if Russia you know, was to really push on the sanction and pull back on gas prices and gas uh, sure. exports and various factors. But yet the Fed is still stimulating. They're still buying bonds. You know, still got zero interest rates, but they're still buying bonds at like 30 billion a month or so. But yet we've got these inflation dynamics. I mean, when you talk about policy mistakes, people are saying, well, yeah, the policy mistake comes from central banks raising too aggressive. It's not policy mistake comes from a central bank having st still stimulating in these dynamics. It's mad. It's absolutely crazy, in my opinion. It is. And we should have we should have wound that down, you know, last meeting. And, and that's what we're going to find out really in mid-March, right? Yeah. Is is about the, the the bond buying program and asset purchases. So, I, you know, I don't know, Chris, I'm 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 in I'm in the camp that uh, that I don't think central banks are going to come near to what people are expecting. Well, I tend to agree. I mean, JP Morgan calling nine consecutive rate hikes. Don't think we're going to get that. But yeah, you go and have a look at euro dollar futures, the interest rate market there. Uh, the market's pricing in a small degree of cuts in 2024. So that's where, uh, you know, they're saying that they're going to stamp on the accelerator. I think they need to, but it's going to lead, it's going to push the US economy into recession. I think that's what we're hearing from the, from the bond market and the rates market at the moment. Wow, that's, uh, you, they start talking about cuts before we even hike. That's crazy. All right, let's, well, Let's 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 turn it over to the S&P because you know I want to talk a little bit about the S&P in light of everything. I mean, should I mean, you know, we're we're at levels that we were just at uh, what, a month ago? I want to say back in January, like like early January, we're at the same levels that we were at back then. You know, we're not we're we're only 11 12% off the highs, all-time mm. highs, Chris. Mm. I mean, with geopolitical risks at a fever pitch, you got inflation as we as we just were just discussing at at seven percent in the U.S. and and you know and higher or higher or lower depending on where you're looking at. You've got central banks that are super hawkish, and you've got you've got expectations of rate hikes as we were just discussing so so high. 
Where does that leave the S&P? I mean, shouldn't the S&P be a lot lower than where we're at right now? And I know we could we could really get nitty gritty and say, well, there's a lot of stocks in the Russell and some of the NASDAQ, some of the lower cap stocks have been you know taking a beating. But should the S&P, the broad market in the U.S., should it be up here or should it be lower? What do you think? I mean, I think people have rotated you know, this rotation within the sectors continues to be a prevalent theme. So people have moved out of growth into value. They've gone into quality defensive areas of the markets. Um, you know, profitability as a factor is working reasonably well at the moment. Um, dividend buyback companies are, are outperforming. But, yeah, growth has been slammed and, and that continues to be, uh, the, be the issue. I mean, people, uh, yeah, energy has been doing quite well recently. Um, so I think people have just rotated uh, into areas of the market and that's happened. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pretty... I'm pretty bearish. Um, I'm not super bearish, but and, and I'm happy to flip that at any stage. I'm a trader. I'm not someone who's uh, in, 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 thinking about investments. I'll, I'll just trade what I see. And, and right now, you know, all those dynamics you say suggest that there's not a lot of reasons to be buying. There's a few reasons to be selling. There's a few reasons to be to be shorting the market and getting aggressive. And when you don't get a lot of buyers in the market because there's such uncertainty, um, you get a buyer strike and the market can naturally fall under its own weight. And I think you start, you're going to start seeing a lot more CTA or trend following and momentum capital shorting S&P futures at the moment. So, yeah, for me, I, I feel... I feel quite bearish on the market, but that's, you know that's that's something that's been going on. I don't see a lot of reasons to be buying right now, personally. Okay, well, you know, we've we've had everything plus the kitchen th- sink thrown at the S and P, and yet it's only like I said, twelve percent off of its highs, 12 percent, de- yeah, depending on what hour you're looking. But at. under the sectors, but, under the sectors, under the stock level, the average stock has fallen significantly more than that, right? You're right. You're right. So if you take this, if you if you if if you get the buy the rumors, sell the news, and maybe this geopolitical event, maybe we still bounce. But I I, I have to point out that my S and P chart from you know, a couple of weeks back of this big head and shoulder pattern. I mean, I'm, if we can hold these levels, we can still bounce back to 4,600, 4,700. 4, and really that's how, that is when I'm going to express your view personally. Yeah, good stuff. Well, I, I think that this time <laughs> next week, Blake, I think we'll be lower. So uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that goes out, but uh, we'll All have right. to try that. Let's, uh, let's go to the charts. Let's have a look at some of the setups that's, uh, that's on Blake's in my mind right now. Well, first one I want to touch on, Blake, is uh, is crude. Um, as you can see there, we've got this this beautiful uptrend that's been in place since March of last year. We've we sort of tested it one, two, three, four, four times. That comes in around ninety five, just above ninety five bucks at the moment. Sort of top end of the Bollinger Band as well. Uh, you know, we've we've just held every every pullback that you can see. The middle of the Bollinger Band, the 20, 20 day moving average, constituted by constituted by that 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 orange line, has been a buying opportunity. So we've seen some long wicks. Markets traded through the twenty day moving average. The buyers have stepped back in. It's closed firmly above that. We're grinding higher. I think we break the um. The, the uptrend personally, I think we do that. Obviously, that's going to be uh, yeah, really down to what we see in the news flow. Um, for me, it's one of those things in the trading markets where you, you position for the worst and obviously as a human, hope for the best in that situation. And I think in this, it, it prob- in my mind, I think we, we, we now have another crack at the uptrend or the, the rising trend. I think we break through it. Um, and I think if, if that would be then the catalyst to take us into $100. I think the fundamentals are pretty good. I know that we're, we're sort of debating what happens in the Iranian nuclear agreement, but yeah, that, 
for them to come out, agree, uh, and then you know to, to flood the world with an additional supply. I can't remember exactly how many barrels that they'd be looking two million or so. Um, I think that's a, that's a slow moving ship for now. Right now, it's it's all about what's happening in geopolitics. That is a headwind to price than what's happening in Iran. But for me now, it's about the slope of the curve. The curve is ridiculously backwardated, showing shortages. We break for me. We break through that that rising trend, and I think that will be the catalyst to a hundred bucks. What do you think? You know, I, I don't disagree with you. The only technical hurdle I have is, you know, and I don't use, I use a lot of simple, real simple indicators. And speaking of RSI, the real simple indicator, yeah. I, I use the RSI quite a bit and it is very divergent on this rally. So I think that if, if we do make it to a hundred, we're going to be capped around there. And I, and I, and I would almost argue that we're up at the upper end of this channel on divergent relative strength. That does worry me on a technical basis. But I don't think you should be bearish while we're above $86, $87 a barrel, Chris. I think it still looks good. Yeah, I think so, so. as well. I think $100 is a barrier. And I think when we get there, there'll be a bit of wood to chop. Get your axe out, Blake, because we're going to be chopping away. And I think that's going to be a hard one <laughs> to break. We've got a, you know, this rising trend. It just says to me, if we can break and close above that level, the art of breakout trading comes into its own. If it can close there on a, on a daily, if not a weekly basis, I think that tells you that, that the market has the emphasis to push into the into the round number. And I think 100 bucks, there will obviously be a few sellers in there, some supply to, to, to come through. And I think that will be a level that the scalpers will look at very closely. Um, but I think that if we get a break of that rising trend, that's going to be a very, very powerful force. This needs to be on everyone's radar right now. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's turn your attention to Bitcoin. You know, I, I actually wanted to look at cryptos last week. If you don't recall, I had a setup in Ethereum. That's right. Yeah. I wanted to break. Yeah, I had to break a neckline, which it tested the neckline, never broke. So it it, it failed as at a setup of an inverted head and shoulder pattern. But Bitcoin, you know, and and these these cryptos have been heavy. They are definitely risk proxies, Absolutely. as far as I'm concerned. If you 100%. want to take on any risk. Yeah, you, you buy Bitcoin, you buy Ethereum, you buy Litecoin, whatever coin that serves your you know fancy. But Bitcoin is coming into what I consider very, very strong channel support. It comes in around 34, 35,000. Somewhere right around there, there's an 88% last line in the sand for any Fibonacci trader. If it breaches the 88% retracement, we're probably going, you know, uh, chest up. I could have said other things, but I'm not going to. Um, but family show. But, family show but, like. It is a family show. Earmuffs, kids, just kidding. Um, but Bitcoin really is coming into that support around the 34, 35,000 level. I think that's, if you guys are bulls, for crypto bulls, it's got to hold that level. If it doesn't, I think we're going to see 25, 27,000 again, somewhere down in that neighborhood, maybe even 20. What do you think here, Chris, with Bitcoin? Yeah, look, I mean, again, I think you made a great point. This continues to be your great, your, your, your high beta risk proxy. So what I mean by that is that if the, the Nasdaq's going down 1%, you're going to see Bitcoin down 3%. You're going to see Ethereum 3%. You're going to see Litecoin down 5%. So it moves in the same direction, just at a faster pace, effectively. So that's what we call the, the high beta to the beta to play. So, you know, that, that's why it's a great trading vehicle. You know, you will pay slightly wider spreads than those, those major indices, but you're going to get a greater movement to compensate for that. So look, I, I think this is a great risk box here you know if equity markets continue to find a lack of buyers and they continue to go lower you're going to see crypto trade lower you're going to see crypto on on a positive reversal if we see putin showing signs of de-escalating uh, tensions around that, then you're going to see crypto moving up. I think we trade lower in the short term there. I've, as I say, I'm I'm a little bit bearish at the moment, um, and I'm happy to change that when I see signs of uh, a more positive backdrop and people wanting to buy risk. Uh, but in this backdrop that we're seeing a great uncertainty, and I think we are in peak uncertainty. Uh, yeah, I think rallies in, in crypto are to be sold, and I think we probably 
there's a higher probability that we trade down into the low of that channel there as well. And talking about risk and, and talking about uh, what you know, something that really sort of extenuates my point here is 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 the Mac Daddy um, of 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 liquidity vehicles, and that's the Arc Innovation. I mean, this is Kathy Woods Fund. Every time you see the market down, you see her on CNBC and, and various programs at the moment. People talk about this fund. Yeah, there's a, a large degree from the trading community of Schadenfreund when this market goes down. Um, that the, the Arc Innovation is is your poster child of of the, these companies, which are just have been, did so well under a liquidity uh, infusion, really, from the Federal Reserve under the halcyon days of quantitative easing, and just go and buy everything. Um, and really, Arc Innovation did incredibly well. Kathy Wood, who runs the fund, obviously, and manages the ETF, um, you know, was, was a hero on the street. And people talk about this all the time. Now, what we're actually seeing here is you can see that we traded down into 64.80. We made a nice bounce back into the into the 38.2% retracement um, of the move that we saw from, from late December into those lows. We, we sort of hit that a couple of times. The market sold off. We're now back testing those lows. I think this is a great poster child of, of, of what we're seeing from these liquidity vehicles. As liquidity is now being withdrawn or we're gearing up for a liquidity withdrawal probably from around June, uh, these names are getting absolutely pummeled. Uh, the, the, the stocks in her portfolio in, in the ETF are getting pummeled. I think we break 64.80. And I think when we do, that's going to be the trigger for short positions in, in this ETF. I think this goes lower. Uh, and I think this is the, the poster child there. So a break of 84.80, uh, as you see there, I think it's going to be very powerful. We're going to see a lot of short interest in this. And I think that's going to go further lower. What do you think? Well, you know, Chris, I, it's, uh, you, we, uh, Kathy Wood goes from zero to hero. Hero to zero. Wait, that's what I meant to say. Hero I'm to zero, again. right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, look, this is going to be really important support around the $64 level. I have a flag pattern that actually points another 40% lower towards basically $40. And I know bulls don't want to hear that, but look, that's what the technicals say. So, you know, when you're talking about short interest momentum, you got a, a nice flag that that looks doable to get us down to 40 and it looks bearish. I mean, shorting? if we break down. Are you shorting it next week or this week? Uh, I would like to see how it closes the week. Yeah. That's if I was going to do it, it'd be how do we close the week? So a very cautious, Blake. I'm, I'm, I'm a shorter. I'm shorting this on a on a close through. <laughs> through, through that 6480, I think that's your signal. Um, if it really kicks on from then, yeah, you could you could get some nice activity from this. Well, my kids didn't get scholarships, so I got to send them both to college. All right, so <laughs> that's why I'm conservative. Yeah. Oh no, I'm just kidding. Um, so let's 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 turn our attention to DAX and yep. the German DAX. You know, Chris, I was obviously a couple months uh, ahead of schedule, but DAX is dead, or is it? Or that's right. You is made it? The call, didn't you? You, made, you made the call a couple of months ago, didn't you? It's, it's it was yeah. I was obviously uh, way ahead of the curve here because it was. I think it was back in January. Um, crystal ball and, out, and We mate. bounced pretty aggressively. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the DAX had been underperforming the the U.S. indices. So as the U.S. indices have rolled over, you know, the DAX is kind of falling. But here's the thing: if you look out and and you look at that dark maroon Fibonacci at 38% retracement. We actually hit it today almost to the tick and bounced from that level. Now, 38% retracement basically is the, the, the technical determination where I go from being a bull to going into a range type of environment. So if you're a bull, you basically need to hold this level. That comes in around 14,400, let's just say roughly. Now, while we're below the 14,800 level, I think you sell rallies. But just be mindful if you guys are short the S&P, you're short the DAX, keep an eye on the DAX because 
if we get a false breakdown and we just get back above, let's say 14.8, 14.9, this thing could really squeeze because we held the key fib level that I thought, I think that we could hold. So that's just, I want to throw out a warning for, for, for bears just to be mindful of where we're at. Any, any thoughts here, Chris? Well, I think, I think the interesting one is that, 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 yeah, being short euros an interesting trade. It's the same as being short DAX, euro stocks, all these markets. It has broken out of the trading range. That to me is the most powerful situation there. Maybe it finds some, some support in the short term, but I think I want to say that support doesn't really mean a lot in this headline-driven market. I, I just don't think that, that FIB levels or anything's going to hold us if if Putin, you know, takes his troops out of of these two um, these two zones out of the Eastern European and actually makes a move towards Kiev. I think, yeah, support's not going to mean a lot in that situation there as well. So I think the DAX, the Euro stocks, the CAC, all these markets are going to get absolutely slammed if we see that happen. I'm not saying it's going to, but if we do see uh, a move into Kiev and all these areas, then support's not going to mean a lot. And I think you really want to be looking at the European markets as one of your short vehicles. I mean, I think the ARK Innovation is going to be a good one there as well. But if we do see an escalation there and, and a move towards Kiev, then then I think European equity markets are going to get taken down. So yeah, I'd be very cautious about that. And I don't think support's going to mean a huge amount. That's a great that's a great point about pointing out technical levels. They kind of go out the door when when things get moving. They that's really right. do. I think well in a news in a news headline market, I think it's it's tough, isn't it? But I think there's a couple of yeah. plays that are catching our eyes and and, and really focused on what's happening in, in, in the Russian Ukraine situation and something that I think is going to be put on your radar. So let's go to play of the day, see what's on our mind here. Well, I want to bring up the chart of Palladium. Now, as you can see there, we've got this beautiful ceiling just shy of 2,400. Now, the thing about Palladium is that Russia is the biggest export uh, exporter of Palladium. 50% of the world's Palladium comes from Russia. In fact, 80% of Palladium goes to, to car companies, automakers, for their catalytic converters. So you've got to think, if we do see a spike up in, in, in Palladium prices, given that car companies and car, car prices have been so influential on in what's happening in global inflation prices, could Palladium become the, uh, the new inflation um, hedge that we're seeing? The other things you've got to look at is, is wheat. 35 million tonnes comes from Russia each year. So they're the biggest exporter of wheat. Ukraine are not far off. And you can see a situation where potentially nat gas is also there. But I think if this breaks uh, 2,400, which is showing signs, um, I think this goes up. So I quite like longs um, in Palladium as a hedge against what we're seeing in this geopolitical situation, if we are going to see uh, this spill over into, into conflict and, and maybe a move into Kiev, then I think Palladium prices are going to be one of the places that benefit from that. Um, and I think, you know, you're already seeing that this wants to break out. So I think long Palladium here um, and, and maybe add to those positions. But I think this goes higher. And I think, yeah, it's showing signs that this really wants to break out. So I like long Palladium through 2400 here. Yeah, it looks like shorts might get a wedgie. Get it? Wedge? Sure. If it... Right, it really oh, is that's bad. I'm a dad. Oh, no, you go. I got a dad joke. Come on. All right. We're going to move it to the Euro Norway. Um, you know, this is an interesting setup for me. And and I, I say it's the play of the day because if we get a break above 10, uh, 1023, that would be the highs from January. That is going to be a breakout for me. Now, the reason why this is such a big setup for me, Chris, is because, you know, the rallying crude hasn't given have has not given the the crone or the crown any type of any type of tailwind this this uh you know situation in russia it's it's weighed on the euro on a lot of euro crosses but not in the euro norway mm. so let's just say we see crude back away from 100 and back to back below 90 let's say you know we start seeing some of these summits develop 
this is a setup right here. And if the Euro Norway breaks above 1023, I think it's a breakout. I think we're going to 1040, 1050. And I, I, I have to mention that a lot of traders that I've traded with in, the, over, in, in years past, their friends trade this currency pair quite a bit. A lot of bank yeah. traders are, are, are on this one. Yeah, so I like. I think that's, that's my great, that's my play. I think it's a great setup, to be honest. I think that looks really interesting as well. But uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, yeah, the the Noki's not going up when you've got Brent prices tapping on the door of a hundred bucks. When you've got a central bank that's more hawkish than any other central bank, really, um, in in well, certainly far more hawkish than the ECB. But it's not going up. Euro's rallying. It, it probably tells you that if we yeah, get a bit of a turn and and, and more positive in Euro. That's gonna that that could be breaking out there, and that could be a good long. So yeah, an interesting play of the day from you. Anyway, look, I just wanted to say thank you for everyone who's who's, who's watching it. Obviously, if you if you continue to watch the program at this stage, uh, you know you probably like the show. So do us a favour and smash the like button. Uh, as Blake talked about earlier, we just really want to hear some of the comments. There's so much crazy stuff going on at the moment. We just, we, you know, you guys know as much as we, we do about what's going on in this geopolitical situation. And we want to hear how you're trading this market right here, right now, how you're managing risk, how you're managing position sizing. And there's a lot going on. So we hopefully we'll, we'll come back next week to talk more about what's going on. So we'll see you then.